All right. So today we're going to talk about MCMM. Yeah, wasn't that his name at one point? Yeah. I don't. It was his name. Yeah, while he was in the group New Jacks. Yeah, I don't know nothing about New Jack. You don't know nothing about no DJ Butterfingers? That I know about. It must have been that that underground stuff he did with Scam. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That was, he went by the stage name MC Double M in 1988 when he formed the new group, New Jacks. Can we just like say hi to people and shit before we jump into this? <laughs> I mean, I mean, John, John's excited. He did, he did some, you know, research. I found one line that I really liked and wanted to squeeze in at the beginning of the album, uh, the podcast. Sorry. Cool. Hi. Put on a record. Um, we're we're gonna call this the season finale. Season one. Season one finale. We're gonna do something a little different. We're gonna do a deep dive uh, to uh, Eminem. So. If you're listening to this, you know who Eminem is. That should go without saying, right? If you don't, you're living under right. a rock. Yeah. Uh, Especially you know, right now. Uh, hometown boy, Missouri rapper, right? True story. Yeah, partially. 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 Yeah, yeah. St. So, Joe. Yeah. Born in St. Joe's, claims Detroit. Uh, it's my understanding that he kind of moved back and forth between like Kansas City and Detroit when he was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like 100% what they uh, – what he's been saying from the beginning. And let it be known that St. Joe is like a half an hour away from Kansas City. Yeah. But he was a, a local Detroit rapper from uh, the late 80s to about 1995. He formed D12 in 1996. Um, and he is one of, the, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, ninth best-selling artist of all time at $220 million. He is one of only two artists who have a number one single and a number one movie. Do either of you know who the other one is? Prince. Yep. Who? It had to be. It had to be. Like there's there was no other competition. No, nah, that makes yep. sense though. I actually learned that fact on a tour of Paisley Park. Wow. wow. Yeah. They converted his old basketball court into like a shrine of purple rain memorabilia. And that was one of the facts they spouted off. But he does have two Diamond certified albums, three Diamond certified singles, 15 Grammy Awards, eight AMA Awards, 17 Billboard Awards, and an Academy Award. He has 10 consecutive number one albums, and he is the only artist to ever accomplish that. Yeah, beast. I mean, people people say what they do based on you know, their perception of him. You know what I mean? White rapper, yeah, he's got that working for him. But he puts in the work. You know what I mean? It's not that, you know, vanilla ice type rapper uh, who who's out there because that's what the label pushed out there. So, so yeah, he got the help from Dre, but that wasn't why he is what he is. Because if he wasn't talented, he would have never made it past that first. I agree. White or black. <laughs> Uh, dude is one of the greatest of all time. Um, it, I would say that being white helped credit him with popularizing hip hop in Middle America. Yeah, and he and he self proclaims that you know if he was white he would have sold half. Right. But we know that that's not we know that's not the case because Royce isn't selling half of what M did. And you True. know they're like they're mirror images of each other. You know. Yeah, that's true. Um, go ahead, John. 
You say greatest of all time. One more time, we're gonna have to insert a counter. That's <laughs> but it, it's it's a debatable it's a debatable fact. And we'll, no, no, I mean that's fair. We'll debate that at the end. Um, but we can let's start at the beginning. Uh, Infinite was his first album. Um, so first tape, yeah. yeah, I couldn't find a definitive release date on this. So roughly September to November ish of 1996. Yeah, it sounds web entertainment. Yep, produced by Mr. Porter and Eminem. Yeah, uh, recorded in 1995, purposely radio-friendly. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, so Eminem's first album was purposefully radio-friendly, which, you know, is not what he became known for. (laughs) Not not what he does. Right. Um, It sold 70 copies. To me, Infinite, you know, a lot of people don't, don't know about infinite because it's not widely available um hip-hop fans know about infinite but your average eminem listener you know that knows the hits might not know about infinite um i think it's a good hip-hop record and i yeah i wish it would get a re-release or something they uh one of the producers one of the bass brothers released infinite the infinite single yes uh re-released in like 2018 or something like that uh, remade the beat without the sample, uh, but it sounds eerily similar and it's clean as hell. Yeah, um, it's in my but, library. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember reading about Infinite after the Slim Shady EP came out, right when he got signed with Dre, and they were saying, you know, it, it's it's a unfocused hip hop album. Like, you know, he was listening to AZ and you know Master Ace and these people who are true hip-hop guys so m hadn't really formed his style yet which if you're you know if you're white and you're in detroit and you're trying to come up with the artists that are out there right then being a white guy who sounds like all the black guys that are rapping you know what i mean for that time like you're like yeah technically you sound good but you're a little unbelievable because his only competition back then would have been like the beastie boys Right. You know, and he wasn't he wasn't in that popular polished way. He was he was more of the underground type of thing. So like I'm not surprised that it didn't do well. But you you can still listen to it now and you're like, Yeah, he's dude was talented. He just wasn't there yet. Yeah. They called it a commercial failure. Not well, that yeah. it didn't I mean do anything good. that's a failure. Yeah. So well, I mean, greatest of all time. Seventy. Fail. Every every greatest of all time <laughs> fail. Yeah. Like even J even Jay Z's reasonable doubt, quote unquote, the best album that he's done by people, and it's the one that put him out there. Every major record label turned him down. Yeah. To the point that it wasn't until uh, what was it, the Blueprint and Blueprint Two, where people were going back in his discography, that reasonable doubt ended up going platinum. Hmm. While we're on the so topic, we're talking, the Black Album was one of the greatest albums of all time. Just saying. Uh, Three. I will have to dive that because I don't even think the Black Album is Jay-Z's best album. But we'll we will have to dive that time. one day. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, so I mean, commercial failure, yeah, I mean, 70 copies is a commercial failure no matter what artist you are. Fair. But like for M and it never being released again outside of cassette, you know, in an official capacity. Yeah. 
you know, that's, that's one of the things like it never had an opportunity to get better. Um, like, you know, some of his fellow rappers had a chance. Their first album was nationwide as opposed to M was, you know, out of the trunk mom and pop record stores. Right. Only, only Detroit neighborhood. Yeah. So what is your favorite track from infinite? Uh, I have to look it up. But Infinite, the song is super dope, and it's it stands a good test of time. Yeah. Um, my problem is I have Infinite in the Slim Shady EP on the same CD in the mm. '90s, so that I gotta check the track listing. Three one three was always dope too. Three one three was dope. Yeah, that's probably the. If I had to, just looking at it, I'm like, that's probably the one that most people would have gravitated to uh off of there infinite was the start you know the first track on there and i think it was a good way to do it yeah but uh that and back that and backstabber but they're not on the same level as 313 because you know he was he was detroit so that's like you know any st louis artist doing their single as 314 you know what i mean Uh like it's it's gotta be it's gotta be dope or else you know you're getting laughed off yeah, I would say my favorite track is the title track, although Tonight is is pretty good, too. Yeah, it's solid, too. I like the uh, the interlude the best. Yeah, that's about, that's about right for you. <laughs> I, never actually found, I never actually found this album to listen to. Album's yeah, got, it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, Eminem has got a very, very, very extensive library, if you will, a uh, catalog of music. Yeah. So I never did get to that one. Sorry guys. That's all right. We're going to we'll we'll get into the more uh mainstream stuff. I don't want to skip over the next one though, which is the Slim Shady EP, uh released December 12th, 1997 on Web Entertainment. Um so this one gets skipped over a lot. Uh, a lot of the tracks on the EP reappeared on the Slim Shady LP, but this was a shift in uh, content for him. This was the beginning of the shock value Slim Shady persona, which placed more emphasis on drug use, sex, mental instability, and violence, similar to the horrorcore rap scene in Detroit. Um, yeah, also, this is... Go ahead. I'm about to say, this is very mirroring what D12's goal was. Um because, you know, they, they were the first that together, each one of the members of D12 has two personas, pretty much. And that they, they got together to do that. Uh, and that was the thing that came down. So Eminem being infinite up to this point, like even the people producing the Slim Shady EP were the same people involved with infinite, you know, and it's just he turned off that persona. Like he took everything that everybody said about his first tape and did the exact opposite for this like he, he he went out there he's so it's not horror core but he's got the he's got those elements of storytelling uh right. and and no filter like so yeah gone are the hey i'm making this so that it's accessible to everybody to you know literally just don't give a fuck yeah and even though this wasn't a success it only sold 250 copies um during this time when this was his newest product um, he placed second place in the Rap Olympics, which ultimately ended up in getting him the Interscope deal. How how many albums? Yeah. Hold on, how many albums did he sell? Two hundred fifty. Two hundred fifty. Man, yep. I feel bad because I hey. I sold almost a hundred of them. 
I mean, we he did that. He don't know that, uh, but <laughs> right. But but at the same time, like this EP is the one that ended up with Sway and Tech. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it ended up with him freestyling on the radio. It ended up with, yo, Dre, you should hear this dude rapping. You know what I mean? Oh, this yeah. is this is before the internet. So Dre tunes in and is like, yo, this dude is snapping, no idea that he's white. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so that's like it's like crazy storytelling, crazy ways putting these lyrics together, multiple syllable rhyme schemes and shit. And you're just like selling 250 copies like but it was right. enough you know what i mean like, yeah and he, that's what's cool about this is like it really wasn't successful but it was the catalyst for everything to come yeah so like you can look it up i mean like that first singles just don't give a fuck but you know what i mean it peaked top 14 yeah you know and it and it cracked the top 100 top five rap song you know what i mean like and it's on that EP. So we talk about 250 copies. You're talking about a local record. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're not talking about a huge commercial success because I didn't get it until later on, like, after I got the Just Don't Give a Fuck single with brain damage on it. You know what I mean? Like, that's well after he got signed. You know, it's like, hey, let's push this single nationwide since it's already done. Right. Yeah. So the 250 is like doing it a disservice saying, hey, it only sold 250 because to me, this is a commercial demo tape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, a, yeah, that's fair. Cause like I said, most of these tracks reappear on the LP. But it's a major jump from 70. Yeah. Oh, Huge sure. jump from 70. Three, almost, you know, three times. It's three times what he was did in the last one. So. I, I don't, so, I don't do math. Another, <laughs> yeah. Another major jump was uh, Slim Shady LP, which was released on February 23rd, 1999 on Interscope Records. Uh, it was his first album on Interscope. It debuted number one on Billboard. It won two Grammys and went four times platinum. It immediately made him not only, you know, uh, someone to take notice of in, in hip hop, but it made him a high profile celebrity. Well, it got him. Uh, it, it got him a feature in the source, and <laughs> it's unhi- unsigned hype column in March. Except he was signed. Yeah, so that that have been oh. the EP that got him. Yeah, that got him right there. Crazy. Yeah. So the LP also resulted in two lawsuits: one by his mother and one by a high school janitor named D'Angelo Bailey. Wasn't he the, for, the for school brain, who, brain damage? School from brain damage. Yeah, he was yeah. the schoolyard bully that went to school with him, right? Right. Yeah, he grew up to be a high school janitor in the same high school that he was bullying Eminem in. Most likely, I believe so. I feel like I read that somewhere, but <laughs> it's Eminem. There's a lot of content. Yeah. So this album spawned four singles. Just don't give a fuck. Being the first one. Uh, My Name Is, which is pretty much the song that put everybody on. Uh, a role Model and Guilty Conscious. Yeah. I think my favorite part about this album is the radio response to it because nobody wanted to play it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, My Name Is was so outside of the realm of what was being played on the rap stations that they didn't want to play it. Until it mm-hmm. became top forty, and you kind of had to. Well, because it was so, getting like, played I, everywhere I, else. 
yeah so like it was getting played on the rock and on the rock stations and like you know 1057 the point here that was where you could hear eminem more than most you know what i mean like it was, it was just a, it was just a weird time because like you know you can see he was talented but the radio listener only had my name is you know so it wasn't it wasn't in until he released the song with dre that you're just like oh he you know what i mean he's a rapper rapper you know what I mean? He's not just some guy doing this. Oh, geez. I forgot about Trey. Yeah, that, that's later on. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> it's actually right after this album, ain't it? Uh, uh, I don't think when so. When the Chronic 2000 came out? I don't know. It shows Chronic, in this section of the wiki. Right? Yeah, so it was. it came out in 99. Okay. I, I believe in not yeah. two instead of two thousand and one, or or it was right around that Marshall Mathers LP time is kind of what I remember. Let's see, because I remember so, listening to the bootleg for the Chronic and forgot about Dre, and they had like didn't have Dre's Compton ad libs and stuff like that. Had some of the Ghost Riders, like the Royce the Five Nine tracks and stuff like that on there. It was kind of an interesting time with Napster and everything else. Yeah. So the Slim Shady LP for me, if I was to rank his catalog, uh, would probably crack the top three. Uh, Slim Shady LP, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. Like to me, going back and listening to it, it, it shows that he's on the cusp of greatness. You know what I mean? Like it has a lot of really good songs, and you can't not put a lot of it on, you know, his greatest hits. But I think that he's he's gotten better and then hit a decline. And I kind of talked to John about it where his, his catalog starts over pretty much like for me, infinite is that, Hey, I'm trying to find it. Slim shady is, Hey, I think I've got something I should run with it. Marshall Mathers is the, Hey, I made it. I'm never should have been this big. Like I didn't plan to be this big. And then Eminem show, you know, like I'm selling out of readings. Like I have a voice. How do I use it? You know, and I think he does that more than once in his career. So it's like Slim Shady LP. I won't ever debate somebody saying it's top three. You know, it may not be my personal, but yeah, I've, like you can debate it all you want. Like it's a it's a great time capsule in the Eminem story, and started to solidify him as being an, as a real MC instead of just you know a white face on the radio. All right, go ahead, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got tripped out by white face on the radio. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into the next one, what's your favorite track on the Slim Shady LP? Jeez. Uh, oh, Let's see. Um, dude, I liked all of them. They were dope. That was probably the only and first album um, that actually got me to like some shade or uh eminem i actually at this point in time would have told you in you know my life i would have said hey i am an eminem fan um i don't think i can actually say that after my passive listen through the rest of his albums but um i do still like him yeah to me it still don't give a fuck like that first verse that he's got on there is uh just crazy you know i'm zoning off of one joint Stopping a limo, hopping in the window, shopping a demo with gunpoint. You know, like a lyricist without a clue. What year is this? Fuck a needle. Here's a sword. Chris with this. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. It's it's the it's the clever. Like you can like it's it stands out above the rest because he was starting to put it together like that. Like 
he's having fun, but you can see, yo, 100% MC. You know what I mean? Like you can't put words together like that and, and point that picture. You know, I'm, I smoke weed now. Now I got to stop this limo because I got to do this demo. You know what I mean? Like I got, you got to listen yeah. to this. Like, fuck it. Like I don't have any other choice in my life. So yeah. that is also my favorite. Time. Same. Yeah. It just, the way that it starts, it uh, set the tone for me. And you just, you just knew something great was going to come after that. Yeah. And it did. So um, May 23rd, 2000 on Interscope Records, he releases the Marshall Mathers LP. So let me just spout off a few tidbits about this album. Uh, this is known for being his most controversial album. It, it is possible that that is because there was more eyes on him. It sold 25 million copies, one of the highest selling records of all time. Certified Diamond record label expected him to be the first artist to ever sell 1 million in a week. He sold 1.78 million the first week. It is a little more horrorcore than the, than the last one, but it doesn't get called that because of its popularity. Um, it's a little more personal than the Slim Shady persona, as the title suggested, suggests. Um, there are lots of references to homophobia, rape, school shootings. Um, it resulted in a hearing by the U.S. Senate. Nine of the 14 tracks reference mur murdering women. Uh, the edited version omits the song Kim and replaces it with kids which is a classic if uh, you've never heard it you need to download it, it oh is my a god oh. it. um yeah. it spent eight weeks at number one so before we discuss this let me ask you the question is this one of the greatest albums of all time i i would have to say it has or, to be in the conversation at least in at least in the rap side of things like you, you might not put it up against like thriller and you know dark side of the moon and, you know, like the White Album and shit like that. But as far as you're talking rap albums, yeah, it's it's solidly produced. Like, to me, you take off the real Slim Shady and you can argue this album versus pretty much any album up to that point, easily. Yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah. guess you could call it the greatest. I don't know. I'm having a real hard time imagining that Eminem will have longevity because of the content that he uses and a lot of his earlier stuff. Like, since it's horrorcore, it will still pinhole him into, you know, future audiences into a very specific listening audience, right? Or no? Yeah, no, because at the same time, like his first one came out, you know, this one came out in 2000. So we are literally talking about this album in 2020. That's true. That's true. You know what I mean, 20 he, years he later. Just yeah, he released he released Music to be Murdered by, which is easily a more horrorcore album than this. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was it was in 2020. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's not it's it's critically acclaimed, but it's not popular, you know, amongst the, you know, the commercial radio. And I think this was like it was the shock treatment of it that, you know, drew the white fans into it and it was the it was the technical ability and the beats that Dre was putting together that connected it outside of the white middle class. So that way he can take that next step. This is the one that put him on the world map as opposed to Slim Shady. You know, he was, he had the U S like everybody in the U S was talking about him. 
But when you get to this level with the Marshall Mathers LP, you can't not talk about him worldwide because yeah. he's going world. Like it's just everything was lined up right. He doesn't know what to do with his fame. So it's 100% real for him to be like all his insecurities, all the, the drug use and his hatred for everything. Like he's just pulling from every little aspect of his life. Yeah. You know, to put it out there. Yeah. yeah. You could put it with the greatest. I won't say I couldn't necessarily say it's the greatest album of all time, but it's definitely should be in the conversation on that rap side of, you know, let's say, let's say the top 20 rap albums of all time. It, it should easily make that list. A big difference between this one and the last one of the five singles, um, the real slim shady, the way I am Stan, I'm back and bitch, please too. Uh, the first three got very heavy radio rotation. Yep. But that was just like the real Slim Shady. And we, we've talked about this and everybody who listened to Eminem from back then, you know, like he had a formula for the singles. Like the real Slim oh, yeah, Shady the first is one was the comedy single. Yeah. And that was the one to get TRL and MTV and, you know, box and all those other things where you're watching videos to get your eyes on there to get those first week sales. And then, you know, following it up with like the way I am where, you know, it's the anti-commercial track, you know, like I am whatever you say I am, right. you know, like, so that like, that's a, it's a crazy insecure. I'm whatever. I don't know how to be anything but myself because I'm so locked into this persona that that's all you'll accept, you know, sort of a thing. Yeah. But by the time they got to Bitch Please, the record, if you just look at the features, it's too West Coast for mainstream radio. Like Dre, Snoop, yeah. Exhibit, yeah. Nate Dogg. That was the urban single. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, I think we can right. stretch this for the summer and get, you know, another 300,000 copies or whatever with a song like that. Fun fact about The Way I Am, there is a version with Marilyn Manson on the hook. Yeah, and it's got a whole new beat to it. Yep. Yeah, I remember getting that off of Napster and tacking it on to my burnt copy before I bought it because you know that's how we did things back then. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Manson. Manson was so, deep because this was around the time that uh, he was Manson was working with DMX too. Uh, did that? What is it? Yeah. Damien or whatever it was. Um, yeah. So he was doing doing big things. This was like I said. This is when Eminem was so big because he did the slim shady lp was on rock radio so he was getting put on like the vans tours and stuff like that you know what i mean like your bigger festivals but they were more towards the rock punk crowd as opposed to the rap festivals which he starts getting with the marshall mathers lp so him attaching himself to these um rock groups in manson in particular is not surprising because manson's a shock artist in the 90s you know what i mean like if you were going to put the horrorcore rapper and the weirdo rock metal guy. Those are the two that you would just throw at the dartboard and be like, oh, that makes the most sense. Something I've wondered about this album. <clears throat> so piracy really started to come to the forefront when around the time this album was released. So I actually remember burning copies of this album onto a CD and I sold them in Ziploc bags at school. Yeah. For five Amateur. You <laughs> You, yeah, you ain't the only one, but yeah. <laughs> how many how many more copies would this album have sold if that wasn't done? Well, um, at least hundreds, would, off you, of my mind. Well, yeah, you would. You got to think like there are certain things. So like bootlegging's always been a thing. So like 
the Slim Shady LP was still bootlegged. But me, I would have had to go to Soulard Market and holler at the bootleg man. You know what I mean? To pick, right. to pick it up. But my situation was we had dial-up internet. You know what I mean? Like we were just on the cusp of DSL when the Slim Shady LP came out. You know, so we had the access as being, you know, middle-class access to these things but then i remember buying the two my first 2x cd burner for like 150 bucks you know what i mean like <laughs> it was almost faster to dub tapes than it was to make the cds right. so yeah i mean you know people sold them and we bootlegged them but we bootlegged them to the white kids you know what i mean like that that was just the fact that was just the fact of it all right and it's like after after a while you know it gets scratched it gets broke they were piece of shit you know, writables back then, you know, like I know me for a fact, I've bought this album three times and I was bootlegging it. Yeah. I was bootlegging it as well. And I bought it twice just so I had both covers. Yeah. And and the thing is like, I, I bought the clean version even like at one point because yeah. I was DJing at a skating rink at the time. You had to have, and you had to have kids. Man. Yeah. And, and that, that was the thing. It's like, yeah. So like you get all this underground stuff. So yeah, he's, the bootleg was a thing, but bootleg's been a thing since the eighties, you know, where in New York, they're selling them on, you know, blankets and shit on the curb. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it would have right. been a thing like the Marshall Mathers LP, I think would have sold a little bit more, but I think it's after this one. I think the Eminem show and on is where piracy really takes off and just goes over the top. Yeah. Cause it's just so easy because you know, widespread internet, you know, media's coming down, the invention of the MP3 player. You know what I mean? Like we had a we had a lot of things going on at the time. Yeah. So I'll touch on I'll touch on that too. Um when we get to the next one. Um before we do what what's your favorite Hold track on? on before Marshall we get Mathers? too far, can we just marvel yeah. <laughs> okay in the fact that Eminem was doing all this at the birth of the internet? The internet started, if you do a Google search for when did the internet start, it was like 1991, right? Yep. Which is right. about right because like diet, like there was stuff a little before then, but it wasn't like internet. It was like peer-to-peer sharing if you happen to know the person's specific whatever. So it's only been, what is it, almost 40 years? 90? Yeah. So it's only been around for 40 years, and this dude has been around for almost all of it. Yeah, but the thing you need to marvel at is he self-produced with his friend his first project. True. You know what I mean? Like, and you look around now and everybody and their mama's doing it, but 90% of them are doing it with a bootleg Fruity Loops. And yep. that, that wasn't even like, that, thing. You, couldn't, yeah. you couldn't bootleg hardware. You know what I mean? Like, so everything they did, they had to do with what they could find. You know what I mean? So like right. tape decks and visit, you know visit the pawn, pawn shops. shops. Yep. Yeah. So like he he didn't survive. He excelled in that yeah. pre-internet era, and I think that is part of what his problem is going forward. Like he he never attaches to what everybody else is doing because he's so much bigger than what everybody else is doing. He feels he never needs to go down to that level crazy oh but anyway 
favorite song uh the way i am is probably the one that sticks out the most um all time pretty much oh no it's stan i'm torn i liked stan dido was my shit so i i would off the cusp say marshall mathers mm-hmm. um however like i don't want to discount how creative stan was it was so creative, but it was the weirdest song in the world. Like the Stan, most Stan deranged. It did. It was yeah. like the problem. I, did did that happen to him? By the way, no. It's a general. It's a uh, general thought. No. But see, the thing is, the with Stan, what we need to remember is that the version that most people heard was the one that was cut down on time for the radio edit. Like so, it's missing oh, a lot a, of a good portion of it. Yeah, yeah, of of his, of his storytelling. Like, because you can obviously tell that he wasn't intending that to be the single. A mi- it's missing a minute and thirteen seconds. Yeah, o- original so, original like, length six forty four radio edit five thirty one. Yeah, and for a five minute radio song, that tells you where you are as an artist. Like, there are rock bands who used to do that in the seventies, you know, seven, eight minute songs, you know, on the radio. And so we're in an era where, you know, you hit three minutes and they're usually cutting you off. Yeah. And they're cutting you off. And here's, here's Eminem. He's like, yo, I got a seven minute song. I'm gonna cut it down to five and we're going to sell out. Yeah. A million, a million copies of this thing just off the strength of the storytelling alone. Like, you can't do that now. Like, there's not another artist that is going to be able to pull that off. I guess you're right. I don't think there would so, be another one that could yeah. that could just go on for five, you know, six minutes on the radio when they already cut things down. And songs nowadays are only two and a half, four minutes maybe, tops. Yeah. yeah, the last person who put this much storytelling on the radio was R. Kelly. He needed that shit in like 12 songs. You know what I mean? True. Like it was one story spread over 12 songs, you know, and each one was a story in itself. You know what I mean? But even those were only like three minutes at a time, had different beats mm. on each one, you know, and yeah. all that stuff. It's those like, songs so I don't think that, more, though. Well, eventually, yeah. But it's, 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 while we're on the subject, <laughs> fuck our. <Kelly. laughs> Did you guys get the joke? Piss poor, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. We okay. we got to. We Sorry. just kind of skimmed over it. Uh, I'll move on. I digress. Before we move on to uh, his next album, in between uh, Marshall Mathers LP and Eminem show, uh, D12 dropped Devil's Night on uh, June nineteenth, two thousand and one. Yeah, I remember Purple Pills, um, the single before the album, was real interesting. Like, because it had the, you know, the drawn cover. It was very Slim Shady LP looking. You know what I mean? You're thinking of Shit on You. Oh, yeah, Shit on You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Purple Pills it was the radio single to match Eminem's radio single. Yeah. Purple Pills was really the only track that caught on. Uh, I like that song. The, this, this album didn't catch on at all. No, uh, but that pistol pistol joint was dope. Yeah, I mean, just just a little footnote before we get to the the next one, um, which is Eminem show uh, that was released May twenty sixth, two thousand and two, on Interscope Records. So a few footnotes here. Uh, he 
his subject matter shifts here. Uh, it's more of it's more political commentary. It's more hip hop culture and Eminem's place in it. He spent five weeks at number one on Billboard. He was the best-selling artist worldwide in 2002. It sold 27 million copies. Certified Diamond won a Grammy for Best Rap Album and is considered his best album by most people. Um, It was recorded while he was filming 8 Mile. Um, It didn't have the shock value of the previous albums and made him a little more socially acceptable. Um, Also, it kind of cemented the three-peat of classic albums. Yeah, Yeah, I can agree with that. Also, he he claims that it was inspired by the Truman Show, and it, and it is like, it's 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 very yeah. like to me. Like I said, in the, the build up to this is like Slim Shady. He was finding what he was doing, and then Marshall Mathers. He's like, "Yo, I was never supposed to be this big, like, so what do I do now?" And now he's so big. Right. He's like, "What is my voice? Like, what am I yeah, putting he, out?" He's the biggest artist in the world. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I mean. To start it off with a skit, you know, is his thing. But what is the most shocking thing he can do? Put a song called White America on a rap album. White America! And you're just like, did he really just do this? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's that's crazy. And And it was a good song. It was what it was. But, you know, he's he's got things on here. Like, how are you the biggest artist in the world and you're making drips with Obi Trice? You know what I mean? You're, you're making a song about yeah. STDs. You know what I mean? And, and you're putting it out there as the thing, you know? So, like, this was crazy. Like I said, this is like his stadium album. Like, you know, all the sounds are bigger. He's, he's breaking away from Dr. Dre on a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like, he's coming up with his blueprint. Like, this is like the most Eminem thing that we've got. Like the other one, like Slim Shady was the Slim Shady persona. And then Marshall Mathers, you could tell was personal. And it was actually Marshall Mathers dealing with being Eminem. And this is like, to me, the 100% introduction to who Eminem is. He goes, I am the biggest thing in the world. I will crush anything that's in front of me. And you know what? The girls like me now too. Yeah, it's like 80 percent self produced. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he took everything that Dre had been giving him, and was like, "Okay, and they just I did it by a hundred. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I can't. Nobody can do my beats better than me. Like I know exactly what I want, and I think that he just he locked in on the back of tour buses, and you know what I mean. Like everywhere he was going, he was getting it done. And he brought his boys along for the ride. You know, the, the features are minimal. You know, Obi Trice, D12, Dre, you know, Nate Dogg, you know, not a lot of people on it. You know, so it's like he, yeah. he's, he's on another level. So he's like, can't really bring too many people with you when you're going to the level that he's going to. I want to also add, because uh, not a lot of people talk about this. He had a cartoon at the time what? when this album came out. Yeah, no idea what that is. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Slim Shady Show. Huh. I believe that's what it was called. Uh, So this album at launch came with a DVD uh, that had an episode on it. 
and also it was them making fun of Daryl Strawberry or some shit. Uh, Slim Shady Show was 2001. Yeah. Good old IMDb. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so uh, this is not my favorite album, but I can appreciate its place in hip hop and its place in Eminem's career. Um, and that's just just personal preference. Um, but it did spawn a decent amount of singles. Um, it started with the comedy single Without Me, the Cleaning Out My Closet, Superman, Sing for the Moment, and Business. Uh, business really didn't get a lot of traction. Um, I would have to say my favorite song on this album, I, I don't know if I could pick one, honestly. Um, like, I'm looking at the track listing, like Soldier, Say Goodbye to Hollywood, Haley song all it's all great there's not a, really a bad song on this no album. no and it's another one of those things like i always ignore skits after the first listen you know because they fit for the story <laughs> but you take right. you take them out and yeah. i'm looking at it and i'm like usually i throw the radio singles out you know what i mean but you're looking just because you've heard yeah so i'm like times. you know throw without me off and i'm just like well you don't even need to do that because the one before it is drips you know, and then the one after it is Sing for the Moment, which is a pop song in a different direction, you know. Um, but for me, if I had to just pick one off of the cuff, it would probably be Till I Collapse. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. So that's probably the one that I would, would pick off. But uh, Business, Soldier, Say Goodbye to Hollywood, and Till I Collapse are probably the ones that getting the most spin now you know what i mean as opposed to because we don't put albums on like that anymore after you know the first year of listening to them well right. for what it's worth this is the only album where he's got stuff that like will actually or could actually be played on. like i know he had a couple of songs on the other one but this feels like the first album that he built not for the radio because obviously that's not what he does but more directed at everybody else <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's his most polished album. Yes. Like and the, like that's why I keep saying it's like a stadium thing cuz like it's all anthems. Yeah. Till I like, collapse like, is dope. Everything that um, Yeah, everything is just so much bigger on this than the albums before it. Yeah. You're right. Till I collapse is dope. Dylan's right. All the I mean it's it is very very hard to choose one on here cuz even the bad ones are still kind of good. Yeah. So before we get to the next album, there's kind of two things that happen. Um, well, so the, the things that we know about in the public that are that have happened is D12 dropped uh, D12 World and also uh, 8 Mile yeah. was released. Good old 40 ounce for D12. No, D12 World was 2004. That was right, right before Encore. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. It happened after this album. After yeah, but then show. Eight Mile was two thousand and two, so that was like neck and neck. Because I remember "Lose Yourself" and "Cleaning Out My Closet," like debating if they were going to be on the same project. Yeah, I said them out of order, but they both happened in right. between albums. Um, D twelve world. Uh, well, I guess we'll start with Eight Mile. Uh, Lose Yourself uh, probably, I believe, is his biggest single to date. Very well could be. I'd have to 
math all that, but yeah. The thing, the thing with this is it's also the un, 100% unleashing of 50 cent on commercial white America mm-hmm. with, with Wankster. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's a big, big contribution to him. Mm-hmm. D12 um, album only had two singles, my band and how come. Yeah, but 40 ounce was the unofficial one. Because you know everybody and their mama have 40 ounce. For your 40 ounce. You know. <laughs> that's that's the jam. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that people should like off of D12 world. The problem I think with D12 was that there were so many personalities that as a listener, it's so easy to get distracted that it's not an Eminem album. You know what I mean? Cause you got, you got right. six people and most people are only listening to it for Eminem. So you're like, you, you can't appreciate it. Like people who find themselves as hip hop fans can go back and listen to it and be like, you know what? That was really solid project. Like it's not what we want. But how can you say American Psycho with Be Real isn't dope? You know what I mean? I mean, it has right. production from Track Boys, you know, for doing, you know, Nelly and everybody in St. Louis and Mr. Porter and Dre mm-hmm. and Red Spider, who was doing the 50 Cent stuff and High Tech. Yeah, and Kanye, Kanye and High Tech. Like, these are all the people who are, who are the it producers at the time. You know what I mean? Right. It's like it was missing a little John beat pretty much from being, you know, perfect early 2000s mixtape, pretty much. So, like, Eminem carries this thing, and if you don't like it, it's because there wasn't enough Eminem for you. But, you know, there's a lot of dope people on there. I mean, even Bizarre, you know, he's one of those weird, you know, you usually hate him, but he's actually really dope because he's a funny dude. But like everybody on them was was on point, you know, Proof, Conniva, everybody just came correctly but it's not what people wanted and i think that's ultimately the end-all be-all of the story for d12 is that they are overshadowed by the fact that eminem was in the group yeah and then we get to his next album encore released november 12 2004 on interscope uh this one just like his last ones debuted at number one uh went five times platinum uh, subject matter shifted a little bit. It was more comedically charged towards celebrities and politicians. Um, however, due to the heavy use of accents, this album was heavily criticized for lackluster quality and considered one of Eminem's worst albums. Yeah, and I would have to say, I yeah, agree. and I and I specifically listened to this album not more than most, but like two or three times because like I had to understand. Like at the time this came out, yeah, the accents are crazy. Like mm-hmm. the my problem with this project isn't necessarily the accents because it is what it is, but the comedy part kind of throws it off, you know. But like he's right. got super solid ones in there. Like Toy Soldiers is super dope. You know, Lose It was as good as it's gonna get. You know, Spend Some Time, Mockingbird, One Shot, Two Shot. Like these are all like still Eminem show quality tracks. It's just, 
he's he's being funny. You know, what I mean, he lost he lost proof, you know, right before this happened, you know, and he's putting an album together. And, you know, he'll he'll tell you himself that he was on, heavily on drugs at the time he's doing this. So, like, yeah, and, yeah, and nobody in, in proof, you know, if you listen to Eminem talk that he was 100 percent M's North Star when it came to rap music, like he was like, that was his focus. You know what I mean? Like he, he was the person that M wanted to impress the most pretty much. Like they would go back and forth with it all. So yeah, you throw, you throw tracks like puke, my first single big weenie, you you know what I mean? And you're just like, yeah. So you're just like, yeah, that's some, that's some bullshit, funny, funny stuff. He, so it's like, to me, it was him getting lost. Like, you know, you don't have what you're looking for. He's like, because you can t- listen to it and be like, yo, he's talented. Like, there's no doubt in it. You know, even the shitty songs, his rhyme schemes are crazy. He's got a nice flow to it. You know what I mean? Like, so you can nitpick it and be like, yeah, it was the accents. And I'm like, eh, I think it was just stagnant outside of like the five or six, you know, super quality tracks. So, yeah, I could say that it's 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 a not up to this point is easily his worst project. But I don't think that it deserves quite as much hate as it's getting. Ooh, did you know that this one was leaked? And he actually yes. moved up the release yeah, date five days? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I remember getting we yes. I remember we as Americans love you more in TikTok. Like originally. Yeah. Those ended yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, later on. Tracks. But yeah, yeah. This was this was definitely uh one of those albums. This is the first one. I think where you could point at it and say, this is the one that bootleg and the internet hurt his sales because it came out, it leaked early. So everybody already knew the level that it was at and that it wasn't at the level yeah. of the last. One. Yeah. Not, I mean, it, it had some decent tracks. Uh, Yellow brick road is probably my favorite track yep. on the album. Um, but I mean, I would, do you think if it wasn't for the drug use, we would have got a better quality? I think we would have just based on the things that he goes on to do, like sandwiching this between Eminem show and relapse. And we'll talk about relapse when we get to that, but like he's on drugs. So like I said, I think he's lost. So he's, you see the genius that he is like the way he goes off on evil deeds the way that he storytells mm-hmm. on Toy Soldier. You know what I mean? Ass like that. You got the club song. Spend some time, Obi Trice, Stack Cole, 50 Cent. You know what I mean? Like, he's got the kind of street songs. He's got the club songs. He's got the personal songs. You know, he's got the, hey, I'm an MC and you will respect me. So, do you, you know, feel like he, it was like unfocused? I think that he was... Not he was, the album was. No, no, no. Uh, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Okay. Like, I think that this one was always going to be a step below Eminem show based on the fact that when you hit the level of Eminem show, there's no way you can do that again. So I think, you know, songs like Puke, My First Single, Rain Man, Big Weenie, all those kind of things where you're just like, they're so tongue in cheek that I think that he was just mocking himself. Like, literally, I could sell you a blank disc and I'm going to go four times platinum kind of a thing. So I think that, you know, he was motivated and lost proof. and was like, yo, I'm not sure this is what I want to do. 
drugs got me falling asleep on the bathroom floor. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, if it wasn't for the drugs, I think he may have been more focused, but I would honestly say that it's probably the loss of proof that let, let those subpar songs fly, you know, because when you're an Eminem status, Eminem show status, you got yes, man. You know what I mean? Especially since he's making a lot of the beats, Dr. Dre, things like, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. Like, I think that without, you know, the person who keeps you the most grounded as an artist, that you're going to come up with a misstep. And I would have to say that this is probably his biggest misstep in general, but I think that it was the drugs and losing proof at the same time, you know, one causing the other to an extent that brings that album to where we're just like, he's never going to be as big as the Eminem show anyway. So I think it would have been a little better, but I don't think we're talking, arguing five stars. I still think we're talking, arguing you know, three and a half, four for Encore, even if he was off drugs. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that we are, we're talking about Encore, correct? Just so I'm not going to mm-hmm. mis- misquote anything. So according to Wikia, by the way, Wikipedia needs money, so donate to them or us, either way, um, that he died in 2006. Yeah. Oh. Proof. Proof. April eleventh, two thousand six, Detroit, Michigan. Deshaun Dupree Holton. Interesting. You're right. So I, the drug use was probably to deal to, with. To, yeah, just, just the the extreme yeah. like spotlight he was thrust in from from the previous albums. Oh yeah, no, I'm getting it twisted. That that's me, because uh, I I forgot what Toy Soldiers actually was, because it was the Ja Rule situation that made him write Toy Soldiers. It wasn't right. that. So, you know, there's an edited lyric in uh, like Toy Soldiers, and I'll admit it took me way longer. I mean, and I'm talking years. Until I finally realized what that edited lyric was. And would you like to care with the cl- uh, share with the class? It was never my intention. My intentions were good. I went through my whole career without ever mm-hmm. mentioning Suge. Yeah, Suge Knight. And that's a that's a thing. Like, because if you're rocking with Dre. You know what I mean? And any hip hop mm-hmm. historian is going to tell you that Dre owes his entire career to Suge, and Suge owes ninety percent of his career to Dre. Like they are hand in hand in hip hop history. Yeah. Except Suge Knight's well, in prison. Suge Knight. Suge Knight was <laughs> and is a very good gangster that got into the music business. Like, yeah. Until he got fucking bodied by that white dude outside of the club. But that's after it. That's after his prime. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) he was old by then. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. Like for real though, like Suge Knight was like, I mean, from, if you know anything about the dude, like Suge Knight in the, in the nineties, in the early two thousands was was not a somebody you right. fucked with. Like, Suge Knight was a scary motherfucker. 
And then you see this video of him getting knocked the fuck out by this skinny white kid outside of a club, and he ain't so nope. scary no more. Yeah. So after Encore, we get two years of absolutely nothing. And then we get the re-up. Which was good for what it was. Which was it was okay. It was a mixtape. It was a it was a shady records mixtape. Yeah, I'm pulling it up because there was the um there I mean there really wasn't there wasn't a Really, a single? I mean, Jimmy Crackhorn was kind of a single, or you? Yeah, it was. You don't know was the single, and 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 then no apologies okay. was the Eminem song that sold you. Yeah, uh, all in all, wasn't really that great. No, but but to me, yeah, like Stat Quo was one of like the standouts uh, from this era. Like by my side and get low were supposed to be his first two singles, and that was crazy because Stat Quo never actually released his Shady Records release, but he was the artist with the most talent that was on there, like right below Fifty Cent, like because he, he was from the South, yeah. you know what I mean? It easily better than Young Buck, you know. So like, I don't know, missed opportunity for the label. But this is also the era where the alchemist starts producing for Eminem instead of just being a DJ, which helps get him back to his hip hop yeah. roots. And then we finally get the relapse, um, uh, March fifteenth, two thousand and nine, on Interscope. So this album was recorded in between two thousand and seven and two thousand and nine. It was somewhat of a return of the Slim Shady alter ego. It debuted at number one on Billboard. Uh, it got mixed reviews uh, due to the accents similar to Encore. It did, however, win a Grammy for Best Rap, al- rap Album. Um, while recording this, he did relapse in his drug use that he was dealing with uh, during Encore. Uh, it was recorded around this. Some of it was recorded around the same time as the re-up. Some tracks were recorded in late 2008. And you can, if you listen to the album, you can 100% pinpoint what tracks those were because that recording continued, which ended up being the next album recovery. Um, but while writing this, he did deal with uh, writer's block. Um, and like I said, it, it has re- received mixed reviews, but reappraisals year later, years later, some people call it some of his best work. Like lyrically, like his t- the technical aspect of being Eminem, like this is back to form. And yeah, people complain about the accents and stuff, but like to me going back, that's not the thing that is the most jarring about this. It's that he goes back to Eminem beats in 2000 and you know the 2007 to 2008 but the problem is though to me the the beats that he was using sounded dated already like they sounded like so much like the old Eminem it was like the the formula you know like for the radio Eminem and then they weren't doing what they were supposed to like in 2009 you know we had moved on you know we were in the little Wayne Kanye Drake, you know what I mean? And we're and we're trying oh, yeah. to do early 2000s Dr. Dre. And like so to me that is the biggest downfall of this album. It's not the it's not what he's talking about. It's not that he's not technically great, you know. 
It's just the fact that it, it sounded dated the moment it came out. So when you listen to it, you're just like, oh, it's cool. It's Eminem. You know what I mean? It's Eminem doing Eminem things. And you could say that this is a horror core album per se, you know, the same way that the Slim Shady LP was. You know, it's got those, it's got those themes in it. Yeah. I I like this album. It it is not my favorite at all. Uh, but it's not it's not as bad as Encore. No, it, it's definitely opinion. above Encore his story, you know, in his you know, if you laid it out top to bottom, there's going to be very few people who are going to place Encore above this album. Right. Um, later on in the year, he released, uh, I guess we'll call it a deluxe edition with a few, the refill with a few additional tracks. Um, a lot of these tracks, I feel like were recorded later. Um, so, one of the tracks on here I want to point out specifically is uh, Forever yep. with uh, Drake, Kanye, and Lil Wayne. Um, I, sp- I remember where I was when I heard this verse. Because um, this was an Eminem that we hadn't heard. Yeah, this is Eminem literally stealing somebody else's track. Like, like, no, like seriously, this is a Drake song that Lil Wayne was on that they got Kanye on that the producer of the movie that this was going for, which was a LeBron James documentary got in touch with Eminem and got Eminem. on. This is a Drake song that Eminem got on the end of it. And was just like, you know what? I'm going to do something different than anybody else because I am on the track with two, what you could argue is going to be greatest of all time conversation artists and the up and coming Drake. So he brings something 100% new to the table for him. And you can tell that this, to me, this is the turning point for the rest of his career forever. The song right here is the turning point. Absolutely. 100% agree. But yeah, it's the, it, 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 if you yep. listen to forever on here and you go listen to the Drake version, it's mixed differently. If you, if you like Dre yep. remixed it, not as far as changing the sounds and stuff. But like, put the sonic, shady aftermath sound to it, and so this one sounds infinitely better than the other one. Yeah, um, I remember when I first heard this verse, it, it was a, it was, it was an oh shit moment. Yeah, because you didn't know what to expect. Like, right, and <clears throat> and that wasn't what I was expecting, and I and I loved it. So that I think that verse alone kind of takes us into the next it, album. It, ha- it um, has to, which is, re- yeah, uh, which is Recovery, um, which was released June 18th, 2010 on Interscope, uh, recorded 2009, 2010, debuted at number one on Billboard, was the best selling album of 2010, went three times platinum. Uh, it won one AMA award, two billboards, and a Grammy. It was the first album to sell over a million digital records. Um, critics call it an improvement over relapse. I think that is a severe understand- understatement. Uh, it was a major change in style um, for him. He, he started kind of double time rapping. Um, 
uh, critics also call it the most profound record since March. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is his sober record. Like, if you look at it, like he did forever, yeah. and it catapulted him back into the spotlight. So, like, like I was saying before, I think Relapse is the Slim Shady LP again. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's him finding myself. I am dope. You can do this sort of a thing. And then recovery to me is more like Marsh is more like the Eminem show where he's just like, yo, I'm back in the spotlight. What do I do? And so he talks about the first single, you know, he talks about his sobriety, basically. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, that's not a radio song. You know what I mean? In the in the traditional Eminem sense, you're like, that's crazy. And then, you know, you got love the way you lie with Rihanna. You know, yeah, I'm still setting bitches on fire. You know what I mean? And you're just like, won't back down with Pink. Like, this is the first album that he's like, you know, it's yeah. not about Detroit. You know, it's not about my people. And I think the biggest departure, well, there's two big departures when it comes to this album that changes his trajectory is he stops working with Dr. Dre. Like, there's one Dr. Dre beat on here. And he stops focusing on yeah. doing his own courses. Like he steps out away from himself. This is like the turn of everything. So yeah, so people to say, hey, it's way better than relapse. Yeah, you're you're talking apples and oranges overall. Like the beats aren't dated. They're they're fresh. They're current. He's not bringing in wacky accents. He's bringing a style that's not really in the forefront out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's double time rappers and lyrical double time rappers that but they're not on the level that Eminem is at and I think a thing that you need, we also need to note is that this is when he signed Slaughterhouse around this era so you know, he's surrounding himself yes. with pure lyricists you know what I mean to push him yep Joel Ortiz is one of the Five. greatest MCs yeah. of all time don't at me yeah go on ahead I mean but you know you put you put yourself <laughs> in the room with, you know, Royce the Five Nine, which is probably, you know, one of his top five closest friends, you know, of all time. Joel Ortiz, Crooked Eye, you know, and Joe Budden, for what it's worth. Because uh, Joe Budden's super dope with the personal stuff. Like, you have no choice but to elevate yourself to where you hold everybody else. So, like, yeah, so by the time he gets on this track with Lil Wayne on here, you know that he's in tip-top prime shape. Like, because everybody's looking for the flaw after forever. Which is why like, he, he didn't release so it as Relapse 2. Yes. And to me, I think that there's probably a Relapse 2, but half of it became the refill. Oh, like, yeah, I totally just, agree. He yeah. just scrapped the half that was incomplete and is like, oh, no, I need to chase this forever momentum because that's what everybody wants. So, like, you could make a point and, like, I'm not necessarily going to say it, but you could say this is one of the top five albums that he's got. You know what I mean? Uh, like, you could say... I'm, but as I'm saying, like, you could say sure. Slim Shady, Marshall Mathers, Eminem Show, Recover. And nobody's going to really argue with you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're... He's starting to lose yeah. his audience at this point, but... You're talking, it's been eight years since his prime. You know what I mean? So, like, he's lose, he's, yeah. he lost top 40. 
he came back and regained top 40 with this album. So I'm like, that, that's, that's a huge, a huge, huge thing. And so like, I think it, he owes it to the fact that he did a complete heel step turn away from what he was known for to make recovery. It was fine. Yeah. I do want to point out also on the, first track he did reference the previous two albums in the lyrics uh encore i was on drugs relapse i was fresh or what well, well, the last two albums didn't count encore i was on drugs relapse yeah. I was flushing them out. and and i think it's a disservice to his legacy to skip those all together you know what i mean like because you have to have them in in the conversation to uh, like to understand the whole said, book right yeah it's because i think if you just took those yeah. out and he comes back with recovery you're just like you're missing something. Like, I don't think it has the impact without that downturn because like to be, you know, basically Spartacus of the rap industry where nobody can hurt you. You know what I mean? Like you're demolishing entire record labels and crews by yourself to stumbling, not over somebody else, but stumbling over yourself and then picking yourself back up. I think that's a better story than to, take encore and relapse clean out. Right. I agree. So what's your favorite track on that joint with Rihanna? It's a good one. That's the one. Love the way you lie. It's about the only one I like on this album. Yeah, you're kind of Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of weird though with that. I think if I had if I had to pick one right now, I would probably say Cinderella Man. And it's interesting why. It's because it reminds me of Till I Collapse. Like it's got that energy. It's big. It's got that anthem. You know what I mean? It's it's like what I was saying. It's I'm picking myself yeah. back up. This is the twelfth round, but I'm not going anywhere. Like I am still going to win this right now. We're about to rocky this out. I would say mine would either be talking to myself or space bound. And both of talking to myself just because of how reflective it is. Uh, space bound because when this album came out, I was at a weird point in my life. Yeah. Space bound, space bound is good because it's Jim Johnson and he's the one responsible for Lincoln, Eminem and Yellow Wolf together, by the way. It was during those studio sessions that he played the Pop the Trunk video for him and got him signed, which you know, we can thank M for Yellow Wolf becoming the level that he is. Nice. So I guess we can move on. Well, before we get to the next album, in between this and the next album was uh, Hell the Sequel, an EP with uh, Royce the Black Knight. Um. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't think I really ever gave this album a time. You yet. should, because it is very much the same as recovery. Like the production is that way. You know what I mean? Like it's Royce, the five, nine, who's also sober at this point. You know what I mean? So like they're, they're going back and forth. So it's like, it's a competition between Royce, the five, nine and Eminem. So, like, this is what Eminem was talking about. You know, if I was black, I would have sold half. Like, Royce the Five Nine is the black Eminem at this point. Like, they take different trajectories after this project. But they 100% are 
are like the same mind going back and forth. So like, there's not a bad part of this album, but you take it the same kind of way you take D12 world. Like it's not what you wanted. If you're not a voice, the five, nine fan as well as an Eminem fan. So like, if you go back and listen to it today, you'll be like, Oh yeah, that was probably dope. It probably should have got more play than it did. I could probably see myself saying that. I, matter of fact, I'm going yeah, to listen. Yeah, I mean, because they had the song "Lighters" with Bruno Mars that was out. You know what I mean? And it was on the radio. You know what I mean? Like, because it it was the thing. Mm-hmm. But "Fast Lane" was the one, the first song that they put out for the project, and you know, it had the "Wannabe Nate Dog" on it. You know, it's like he had the formula for what he was doing, and he brought Royce along for the ride. Pretty much, he's like, "You're not on Shady, but let's do this." So yeah, it's it's anything that he does with Royce the Five Nine should be mentioned, because like I said, it's like the exact same person, in my opinion. Like as far as talent wise goes, they use it in different ways, but they are the same person. So the next album was. Uh his first sequel it was the marshall mathers lp2 released november 5th 2013 uh recorded 2012-2013 uh he titled it marshall mathers lp2 because he says it reminded him of his earlier music um it was number one on billboard four times platinum it showcased his technical rap abilities um it won him one billboard award and one grammy award when i initially read that he titled it because it reminded him of his early music when i first heard this album that's not what i heard going back almost 10 years later and re-listening to it i can say i feel like i heard it when i listened to this this um album to me when i heard this project for the first time so did you actually i I did like this one thank you dylan uh, I liked it quite a lot. It it reminded me of the old school M vibe. Uh, it gave me those feels. And I was like, oh, okay. So maybe I, you know, because those last two albums, I started like kind of really doubting myself as, you know, what you would say a, a fan of Eminem might be. Because I was like, I don't, you know, there isn't a whole lot of these albums that I really care for. So this one to me was kind of refreshing where I was like, oh, okay. You know, he, he's still in there. He's just doing his different, you know, his different stuff, what he needs to do to figure himself out. Yeah. See, when I listened to it, I didn't. Yeah. But I, say, I didn't worry so much about him calling it the Eminem or, you know, Marshall Mathers LP2 was because when I listened to it, you're the first thing you're exposed to is Berserk. So when you when you look at Berserk, and you go back to the Marshall Mathers LP, there's really no comparison between the two. So then I'm just like, okay, it's kind of weird. So when he says it reminds me of my old music, I don't necessarily think that he was exactly referring to Marshall Mathers LP because there's not a lot on here that reminds me of that. But when you take Berserk, that's your old, you know, run DMC Beastie Boys style. And then you got Rap God, where you're rapping fast, JJ Fad, you know, all those fast rappers 
from back in the day, putting the multiple syllables together. And you're just like, okay, I see what you're doing is you're bringing your history of hip hop into it. And like, so until he gets to like headlights and evil twin and, you know, stuff like that. And like so much better, like even so, but so much better reminds me of more like Marsh of uh, Eminem show than Marshall Mathers LP. You know, so it's like he he bring. I think he, he brought all the things along with him that brought him to this point in his career, except for the tongue in cheek, funny rap stuff. So like if you were if he was to go back, if you were to go back and take the single off of his first three projects, this is kind of what you would end up with. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing I I did kind of notice about the one of the tracks on this album, Rap God, um, it because of the traction it got, like on on YouTube, huge a lot. There videos, are so many of it, those reaction videos it, out there. It's it, crazy. It introduced a a younger generation mm-hmm. to Eminem, for better and for worse, and and uh, for worse, yeah. Yeah, because I think this is the time where people yeah. start telling Eminem, hey, there are people who don't like you <laughs> and like you. You know what I mean? And can, you can just imagine somebody be like, yo, they're talking yeah. about your song Rap God. And he goes online and starts YouTube comment looking. You know what I mean? Like, is, like coming after this, mm-hmm. you can kind of see it as a, hey, he's starting to uh, listen to what people are saying. Yeah, I think Rap God introduced. I'll him. totally agree with that. It's a dope track. I mean, it showcases. It's fine. I don't yeah, well, actually was... like his verse on it. I like the track. I don't care for his verse on it. I think he was trying. Yeah, it's a... He's like going above and beyond. Not his skill, because that's that's a ridiculous statement. His skill. I don't even think we've seen his skill yet. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's got stuff in the pipe forever. But I feel like he may have made a misstep in this verse. I, see, it's hard to describe because it, it just doesn't feel good to me. To me, music is all about feeling. And I know there's a lot of people out there that listen to the, the beat, that listen to the, the lyrics and really dissect it and this, that, and the other. I listen to it as music. I don't care about the lyrics for the most part. I, I, you know, I listen to the lyrics and I do that for the podcast and this, that, and the other, but as a passive listener of music in general, when I heard this, I was like, Oh, this is dope. And then M came on and I was like, Oh, that was okay. And that's about all I can say about it. You're entitled to your opinion. opinion See, see, you just gave me an oxymoron moron. (laughs) Yeah. You're in the minority when it comes to rap God. Like, and that's perfectly fair, most, and I can understand that. I can see why people say that. Yeah, it's it's the technical elegance of it. It's like he's not just rapping fast. You know what I mean? They're put together in such a way that he's able to do it fast. Like, But if you slowed it down and took it bar by bar, you're just like, oh, he's saying something in every line. This True. isn't just a... You know, filling it up the syllable count. That's absolutely that's true. What, I, I will say I appreciate yeah. that in this verse for certain. Yeah. So yeah, but you're in the minority. But like, it it's a novelty song. Like, I'm. He's probably surprised it was as big as it was. 
I I can I can I would hope that he would be surprised because like I said I don't think it's one of his best verses. It's it's an okay verse. I don't think it's his best. What's your favorite track on this album? Me, Dwayne. Uh, I don't have opinion. a. I don't have a. Yeah, I don't have a best song. I have my favorite song on the album uh, is "Love Game" featuring Kendrick Lamar. And if you haven't listened to the song enough to figure out what it was, Kendrick was on his way up in the game. And M's like, yo, I need to see if this dude is the truth. Like, is he? Yeah, didn't he make him he, write his verse? He didn't originally <laughs> call him for a verse. He, he, but yes, that's what ended up happening is he wanted him to do a chorus uh, for the song. So you assume that, you know, M had his verses more or less. And with the way he's doing things, he wasn't really writing the choruses. Uh, so Kendrick comes in there and does the chorus and then absolutely spazzes out in the way an artist has to with Eminem. You know, the flow, the cadence, like his pitch changes, his voice and everything in there. Easily put him in the conversation as as good of a storyteller as Eminem. And it's pure comedy through the entire song. Like, uh, what is it like crazy in love and stuff by Eminem. This is easily on par with that as a kind of tongue in cheek love song. Yeah. I would have to say my favorite is bad guy, which is the, uh, the sequel. Yeah, to it, it's, it's good. I love the fact that they switched the beat up in the middle uh, and just completely changed yeah. the tone. Cause when the first song, when the song s- sets out, you don't really know it's the sequel to Stan. So until you start getting into yeah. the nuances of the story, you're just like, oh shit, we've been here before. Yep. And then uh, after that, we get nothing for four years. Like I said, I think he was reading the YouTube comment. Right. I could see that. That would make a lot of sense, actually, yeah. at this moment. Uh, so Seeing the YouTube and going, whoa, there's a lot yeah. of differing opinions. So then December 15th, 2017, we get revival. With no promotion, just kind of just dropped. Um, so with, yeah, with no promotion, just dropped. Um, this was a, a very political album. Uh, he critiqued Trump quite a bit. He talks about his fear of losing his spark and uh, walk on water and disappointing his fans. He almost literally told you what yep. was going to happen. Um, some even say that he knew it was going to be trash, um, but he but it allowed him to make Kamikaze eventually. Um, it polarized critics. Some consider this his worst album, um, citing a lack of focus, lyrics, and overuse of rock samples. Album did little for his legacy, or possibly even hurt it. However, it was number one on Billboard, um, but it it only went gold. It did not go platinum. Um, I when this album came out, I did not like it. I felt like it sounded like someone mixed it in their garage down the street. <laughs> I thought the mixing was absolutely atrocious. Um, going back and listening to it now, I still feel like the mixing is bad, but I don't think this album is as bad as people make it. Seem. Yeah, yeah, I might put it above encore, like. 
You know what I mean? Like it's it's in that same realm. It's like going back. It's going to be right. Yeah, next yeah. To it's Hong it's Kong. got some yeah. good moments to it, like Bad Husband. You know what I mean? Like that's you know that's classic Marshall Mathers Eminem. You know, and it's got some good things on. It's got some really good things yeah. on there. But coming off of Marshall Mathers LP, where he had Monsters with Rihanna, you know what I mean? There's nothing on that level, but they put the Ed Sheeran song out there because right. he was super popular. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. And it's, it was and a it's, good but it's like that. It's not a first single. It's like third, third single. single. You know what I mean? Where it's a state. Yeah. It's like a staple song where it's like, Hey, it's, it's good. It's there. It should be there forever. But, but yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Uh, going back and listening to it. I like it. Um, it's hard to pinpoint what's wrong, but this is like the classic aging hip hop artist thing. You know what I mean? Like, so he's trying to do modern, but not really modern. Like, cause he's still using Alex the kid and just blaze and Rick Rubin. You know what I mean? Like you can't really make a modern rap album utilizing the same people that you've been utilizing for 20 years. There was definitely a shift in this album that I think, you know, eventually brings us to current day Eminem. Uh, I, you know, I feel like it, it, it lacked that super big single. Like it really didn't have a big single. Walk on Water was the With no first drums. single and it wasn't. Yeah, no drums. Nope. Yeah, you're right. It didn't have any drums in it. Uh, and then there was River with Ed Sheeran. All right, so my favorite track on this album is uh, yep, "Like Home" with one. Alicia Keys. Um, given given the climate of where the world was at at the time, why Fair. is that not the same? That is a really good question. Yeah, see, Alicia Keys didn't have the star power like that. You know what I mean? Like she's always going to get you a certain level. Like Alicia Keys is a flawless artist like even if you don't like what she's doing you're like yo that's technically amazing all our notes are on key songwriting superb but ed sharan was like he's he's the guy you know what i mean like beyonce global icon like easily as far as singers go on the eminem level easy you know what i mean like you're talking about could sell out a stadium tomorrow those two people could easily do it and like ed sharan is kind of the same level alicia keys you don't get that you're telling me that Alicia Keys doesn't have clout in not, 2017? Not the same level. Not that same level. She was on The Voice. And? No. Who else is on The Voice? I don't know. Some some other washed up person. Yeah. Gwen Stefani in A Country Guy. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, she's the new and, like, one. At one point. At one point. <laughs> yeah, Gwen Stefani. Yeah, and at one point, Usher was on there, too. It doesn't matter. Like, she... Like, she's not the name. Like, if you're trying to sell a record, Alicia Keys is not going to sell your record. That's fair. Super I'll talented, give you that. Super, super dope. As far as a name marketing, like, strictly marketing speaking, then her name isn't going to do it. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. And, like Ed Sheeran was. The super- yeah, it's, a, it's the superior song. We're not going to argue that. It's the superior song. But it's not going to do what they wanted it to do the record label because i at this point in eminem's career i'm 100 percent positive he doesn't give a shit about if the radio plays his music or not. oh yeah no not at all I, why would he 
no. But he does give yeah. a shit. You just can't tell him. Things. You just can't tell him his album sucks. And we learned that. Because <laughs> he'll brood over it for five right. years and then release so another album. we did not even... Oh, we didn't even have to wait a year. Uh, we had we waited just a matter of months. Uh, uh, on August thirty first, two thousand and eighteen, he released Kamikaze, which was a response to the criticism that Revival got. Uh, even Kamikaze got mixed reviews, uh, mostly criticism for him not adapting to hip hop's current sound. Um, it had no promotion whatsoever, no announcements. Um, some critics did say it's not his best album, but it might be the best since recovery. Um, it did chart number one on Billboard. It is a lot of diss tracks. Um, the the most <clears throat> the funny thing is is there so this started a beef with him and uh, Machine Gun Kelly, who who released the diss track Rap yeah. Devil. There's a lot of behind the scenes so, on that topic. Yeah, so Not Alike from this album, the song Not Alike and Rap Devil were both produced by Ronnie J. See, there's a lot of things because both artists at the time, and I believe still are, both signed to Interscope. You know what I mean? Parent label of Bad Boys, Interscope. Shady Records, Aftermath, Interscope. So there's a conspiracy that M put those couple of lines in there, you know what I mean, as a way to back promote uh, Machine Gun Kelly. To the point where people were scouring Machine Gun Kelly's stuff when he released his diss track back. And there are reports that it was uploaded to SoundCloud before the album was dropped. And so, like, there's a conspiracy that M didn't care. You know what I mean? So, for him to do, you know, kill shot you know for him to be like really like i said your name the same way five million other people's names and you want to get your panties in a bunch sort of like you know sit down you ain't on my level to the point where eminem ruined machine gun kelly's next album like it's a dope album like to the point where it sold so bad that he put out a punk album as his next album because he could no longer Hack it in the rap. Yeah. Rap. He... Yeah. yeah. M- and and Machine Gun Kelly's dope. So we're not even yeah, going to argue is. that. But no. not. But he knew better. But he knew better. Like, he's a. Dude, I always say, like, it is never a good idea to diss Eminem. I want to diss Eminem just so he makes a song about me. He. You ain't relevant enough. Haystack dissed Eminem, and him, Eminem didn't give a shit. King King Gordy yeah. had to diss him instead. Yeah, but, but you can't find a needle in the haystack, though. Yeah, you know I mean? like, he's just a mil- He's he's out there. You know what I mean? Like either you know haystack or you don't. Right. But like Machine Gun Kelly, he knew better. Like you're getting offended by Eminem, who does that shock thing. You know what I mean? Like. He did you a favor by mentioning you. Yeah, true. Like you, everybody knows. Everybody like, just heard your name. No matter what yeah. context so, it I mean, was even, in. Even back. Yeah. Yeah. Even even like Cage and Milkbone and all these people from early on in Eminem's career, we didn't know who the hell these people were until we looked them up after Eminem said them. You know what I mean? Like 
like machine gun. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Like machine gun Kelly, <laughs> super talented, can wrap his ass off. But his whole thing is it came from listening to Blink 182 and Ludacris. Like that's where dude's background is. So like what part of that is being your focus for music? Like what you like the most makes you think that you could even think about continue, uh, you know, combat on the level of Eminem. Like even Eminem out of his prime is going to do some damage without, without, without trying. And this album proves it. You know I mean? He took on the entire industry, all the, all your podcasts and your, you know, people doing reaction videos and publications who don't mess with them and all that stuff. So yeah, he, he was very much in his feels for this and it showed. So yeah, for, to say that it's one of his best ones since he came back isn't isn't too far off because he was highly motivated. Do you think it was the motivation or the fact that he called all these yeah. people out and stirred up a whole shitstorm on like Twitter and social media that ran his name See, I think that's the No, no, no. See, that doesn't have any impact on the quality of music like what he's talking about is is fine because i mean we've talked about him talk making music for whatever reason in this he's highly focused you know i mean the last album they said hey it's kind of all over the place doesn't have a real theme and he's just like you know what you want a theme fuck you guys yeah and and the theme is fuck you guys yeah it's like i didn't (laughs) i don't make music for you anymore and i think that's 100 percent where he's at where he's just like, it's for me. Like, it's for people who like rap music. You know, it's for people who appreciate talent. Like, people who can't do what I do shouldn't be mentioning my name. Sort of a thing. So, so no singles on here. Oh, well, technically, technically Venom was, but it was from the no. movie soundtrack. Um, but it's in, like, the same vein as, yeah. like, the Pink song, the song he did with Pink and the soundtracks for, what does it call it, Hootie? There was also a video. I can't honestly say I've say, seen it, Mm-mm. but this is a major departure from the last one, where every had five million producers, and this one M produced or co-produced right. the lump of it. You know, which was a a weird thing to do. Like I said, it goes back to the fact that nobody can give Eminem what Eminem wants. He did, like he can do it. If he didn't. He's not, his best. He did not participate in production on two out of the thirteen songs on the album. Yeah, that's that's it. It's like he, you know, he knows what he wants, and if you don't give it to him fast enough, he's just going to do it himself. Hey, to be perfectly honest with you, though, I think Eminem should stick to that lane. Not saying that he hasn't come out with incredible songs otherwise, but he can come up with the most cohesive and generally the best full albums when he has a lot of hand in the production, in my opinion. See, it's a double-edged sword for Eminem because when Eminem first started producing with the exclusion of the Eminem show, people were like, his beats aren't on the level that they need to be. So we're talking like when he did uh, Cross Cross for Nas and Jay-Z, you know, Renegade, the version that they actually put out on Jay-Z isn't as good as the version he did with Royce the 5'9". It's like his beats weren't as big of a production as what he was saving for himself. So most of the beats he gives to other people is what other people relate to because they're not fans of Eminem 
they want to find something to critique. Okay. So like they like yo Dre Dre produces Eminem, so they assume everything's done by Dre. You know what so, I mean? And then when they're like, oh, this is produced by Eminem, this like the beats aren't what makes Eminem. That's fair. Anymore. That's fair. I'm just saying I think he comes out generally with a more cohesive uh, package. And he's got 18 years of experience under his belt doing production at this point during Kamikaze. So 18 years is a long time to be producing music and being in music. And even if he didn't produce it himself, he was around, I'm sure, during the production of his album. So he's seen a lot of things. He's done a lot of things. I I just personally believe that when he has a hand in it, it comes out a better package. Yeah, I think that's just got to be the fact that he pushes his agenda. You know what I mean? Like when he's wants it done so quick, Yeah. like the turnaround for Marshall Mathers to Eminem show was pretty quick. And this is eight months from start to finish Fair to cook this out. Like you have to know what you want and you can't play around with other people to get there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I support that he's a better producer than most people give him credit for, but I I will say that he's got a lot of great songs that were produced by other people. Sure. No, I'll never, I'll never sit there and tell you otherwise. You know, I absolutely agree with you. Also on this album, he confirmed the end of D12 on the song Stepping Stones. Stepping Stones. That's probably my favorite song on there. If we want to be 100% real. Um, Because it, it's got a lot of parallels to it. You know, it's like everybody's got the story of you and your boys and you not being able to do what they do anymore. And you're just like, you know what? It's, it's not you. It's not me. You know what I mean? It's just, it It, doesn't feel different. Like, yeah, we can't, we can't go to the mall and sit on our car anymore. You know what I mean? And that's, that's essentially what it was. These are the guys he's known since high school. You know what I mean? And here, here he is 40 or whatever he is at the time talking about, you know, you're talking about D12 and he's like, man, we haven't done D12 in how many years? Almost 15 years. Yeah. You know, we lost, we lost, we lost the founding member of this group and you're still asking us about something you're not going to buy anyway. Well, that brings us to the, the oh, it's not this year. I'm sorry, last year. Uh, no, last year. Uh, music to be murdered by was released January seventeenth, twenty twenty, just prior to the uh, breakout of the coronavirus. Yeah, the Rona. The Rona. Um, so this album, like the previous one, was released with uh, no no announcement, no. Nothing. Just, just put it out there. Um, it debuted at number one on Billboard, selling about two hundred and eighty thousand its first week. Um, the when I say selling, that's uh, album equivalent streams. Um, plus albums. Plus, yeah. plus, al- plus um, albums. So this is the album that made him the first artist to have ten consecutive number one albums in the U.S. Um, Music critics praised Eminem's lyrical abilities on this album and his improved production after Kamikaze. While criticism directed towards the album, formulatic song structure lacked lack of innovation and shock value. Um, So the previous criticism 
uh, where they said that he didn't adapt to today's hip hop sound. Um, I think he combated that a little bit on this album. Um, I mean, he's got a track with Juice, for God's sakes. But that's a lot of what Eminem has been known for, is he'll grab somebody he truly finds talented. And when we talked about Juice, we talked about M and M's opinion of Juice and how, you know, freestyle-wise, he was a genius. You know what I mean? Like, so for him to reach out to Juice and be like, hey, will you come do this with me? Whether it be a verse or a chorus or whatever, when obviously it was just a chorus, but it was the same thing he did with Kendrick Lamar when he was coming up. You know, I mean, he, he found somebody he thought was super talented and brought him up the same way he got young M.A. on there. Like, why would you do that? Like, she's not really going to get you what you want. You know, what I mean, so he's putting people on there that he appreciates same way he yeah, did join Lucas back. on the last. one. Yeah. And so, like, these people right. are dope to him. So can we just circle back? Dylan to where you said that he was acclaimed in this album for his production? It was improved production over Kamikaze. Okay. Improved production. He is on 15 out of 20 of these yeah. as a producer. Mm-hmm. Although they add, add Dre one, back into one, it. One, two, four, five. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. no. Like, seven, and I, seven, seven row beats. True. And you got to take... And, and I would even go so far as to take the skits out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because I always do that. So you're taking like another three or four out of there. But yeah, I mean, it's not a fact that Eminem's not talented. It's the way he approaches beats. Because you'll hear him talk with other people like, hey, I sent him this beat and for a feature and his beat came back different. And the, even to the, the point when they sent the forever beat to him, if you listen to it, the beat in his part is different, significantly different than what everybody else was rapping to. It was the same, but he took elements out and put new elements in. So he's producing on the track because he's making it his. I can see that. That makes sense. I have to say that I appreciate that uh, as an artist, as a you know creator in and of itself, that he will go as far as to... Oh, you want a feature? Cool. Here's your feature. Uh, I like the beat, but I'm also going to do this to it. This is what I, I feel like yeah. it needs in order for it to be me. Especially in the age that we're in now where producers are just emailing stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's literally there in minutes. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, so the Royce the Five Nine song on here, uh, You Gonna Learn and Yaya were both songs that Royce the Five Nine had. Like, he already had them, like, basically done. And Eminem was like, yo, you should let me get that. And Royce, Royce being Royce is this like, yo, for sure. You know what I mean? They're yours. We're not even having a conversation. Like, I am working on my stuff and I am doing dope stuff. But if you want these, you can have these. Yeah. So like Royce made you go and learn. And then M came and touched it up. You know, put his put his flair. Yeah. On. And, and Royce talked about how Eminem helped him with his production and all that stuff. So yeah, like I'm I'm with you and M is dope and I think that he's a producer in the true sense that even if he can't do it, he can tell you what to do to do to, it. To satisfy so more, his, like, his creative side. 
Yeah, so like the Puff Daddy and DJ Khaled take on producing. He's great at that, the same way Dr. Dre was great at doing that for other artists. Right. So I'll be honest, with music to be murdered by, I'm really not a huge fan of it. Um, To me, it just kind of seemed all over the place. There really wasn't any particular track that stuck out to me. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you you hit it right on that it's kind of all over the place, but I think that it was just him taking to it. Like, he wanted to showcase how talented he was, and it didn't really matter what the end product ended up being, you know? So, like, to me, it's got flavors of recovery, uh, relapse on it, you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's that darker tone i'm gonna kill everything sort of a thing he went back and got dre so like like i said i I see parallels between what he had done and was popular doing and what he's doing now like he definitely still has those elements but like he didn't really make this for anybody you know i mean the only reason it took off the way it did like like you said is the juice world feature you know i mean and it blew up on online basically and it's the one that everybody's kind of hanging on to and then you got you know and then your mcs are listening to i will you know which is basically a slaughterhouse song minus joe button for the obvious reason so i like to imagine music to be murdered by as well as music to be murdered by two being 40 songs total i feel like he wrote 45 songs decided yeah we'll put these out first and i'm going to you know i'm going to kill these but these are the ones these are the, the case, ones it's just what yeah, it feels like to me because of the subject matter so we can go ahead and move on to the last one music to be murdered by side b which came out in december of 2020 um, he he dissed coronavirus <laughs> Like sure. he ran out of people to diss. So he... yeah, this is very much a. I'm still yeah. Well, well, he's like I'm. I'm locked in the house. Like being a you know, he's a hermit basically. Like he likes to be in the house. You know what I mean? Like he loves to be there. He doesn't need all the attention. But even me, like I like being at home. I like being locked in on what I'm working on. But at a certain point, you're like I can't. I literally can't go outside. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so like. He's got nowhere to put that pent up energy. So, like, to me, I think that that is exactly what side B is. And I think they did a disservice by putting side B on top of I agree. the original out. Like, if it would have came, like, if they had put it at the end, and I understand why, from a commercial standpoint, you want to have the new stuff at the top to get your listeners into it. But, like, if you can imagine that this is a record and you get done listening to the first side and you're just like, yo, this is dope or whatever your feelings were. And then you're just like, Oh shit, there's a whole nother side to this. And you flip it over and you play this after that. You can see that there's still a progression, but thematically it's still attached. You know what I mean? Like he never stepped outside of the zone that he was in. It's like, he just kept on recording and just never stopped. So like, to me, this is kind of what, uh, relapse two would have been right. It have been a little bit better. It would have been a little bit better than the first one, which is what a lot of people are saying. 
is that B is better than A. But, you know, but for, yeah, and, and it should be, you know what I mean? In the natural progression of an artist, you should be better on your next shit than your last shit. So, yeah, I think they just did it a disservice by putting it first when they redid the project. I think in my mind that there was really no reason to release this as a deluxe edition because it doesn't do you any good. Like if he had just do the music to be murdered by side B, just flat out, you know, didn't put the extra songs on it. Like what, what difference not would it, it have actually made? You know, people would have been like, mattered, Oh, but here, here's something that it did benefit him by doing it as a deluxe, a deluxe edition. The week the deluxe edition was released, the album as a whole saw a 1,125% boost in sale units from the previous week, moving 94,000 units. This brought the album back up to the third spot on the Billboard 200 in its 48th week, which was 100... Is that that side A or B? Side B. So... B. A 196 spot jump from the week prior, um, which broke a 50 year old Billboard 200 record that was held by Bob Dylan, which made a 193 spot jump. So, because of that, and as of December of 2020, the album with the deluxe edition packaged in, now the album as a whole, both the versions um, have sold over 2 million and are two times platinum. Yeah. And that's and that's great. And that was one of the things I was going to mention is that it it did do a huge jump. But in reality, the only thing this actually did for Eminem is preserve his track record. You know, what I mean, like he came right. in third, you know, what I mean, and he would have came in third regardless going up against who he came Taylor. went against that week. Um Taylor and uh, who was the other record? Uh, shit, I'm totally lost for the other artists. Um, because she was second place. Was it Cuddy? Uh, that's why you ended up third. But uh, no, 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 no. Uh, crap. It was an old head. Uh, you got me tripping at the moment trying to think of what his name was. But anyway, um, so he can he's preserved his legacy. Basically, he can still put out another one. And have eleven releases yeah. in a row. Go num go number one. Like that was the only real, real thing. And it's driving me crazy dirt. that I can't think of who he went up against. No, bad, bad bunny. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can Google. No, that's definitely not it. Wasn't Polo G. Uh, no, it wasn't even rap. We're just uh, talking like Paul McCartney. Total... <laughs> Paul McCartney, that's the one. Yeah, Paul McCartney. Like, so you can't do a number one album on Billboard against Paul McCartney right. and Taylor Swift. Like, it's just not happening. You know, and so I think that that was pretty much the only reason. Like, because there are two different recording yeah. sessions, basically. Uh, to you me, know. it will always be but, uh, a completely yeah, I think separate they, album. This, I'm never, ever in my listening habits going to treat that as a standalone album or as a as a deluxe edition. I mean, right. And I think that it shouldn't be, but I, you know, they did it that way for whatever reason. They decided that that was the best idea because I thought the side oh, B yeah. was genius. The Nat you know single, I mean? like, hey, 
it's 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 a continue yeah it's a continuation yeah, of what we dude, got the nat single was crazy like the dude he rapped over three different beats yeah i mean to be fair he raps over a lot of different yeah beats okay all the he time. rapped over three different beats in one track yeah <laughs> but he also threw the fair yeah but he also but he also poked poked machine gun yes. kelly again which was always fun too and uh and mike pence Dude, that all right. So in that that dude, that Mike Pence yeah. line was dope. Yeah. Hey, I do have something to mention. I almost texted you the day that I saw that I listened to this record because when she loves me came on, I thought about atmosphere she super loves me hard, now. and I was just like, you know, she loves me. She yeah. loves my not. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it was the same, but it was but it was different. I was just like, yo, they are like, I don't know if it's cause and effect. Or you know what I mean, like, because there's no real cue on when it was done. But I'm like, yeah, that that's a little, it's a little close together. For and then, did we ultimately decide that Ti wrote Dr. Dre's verse on Guns Blazing? Yeah, uh, we we didn't. But I do have new information, right. at least to me, was that Guns Blazing was actually a Dr. Dre verse in Sky Piper already had it in Dre and M send tracks back and forth. And M is always like, yo, this one is better than the last one that Dre sends him. So M didn't write his verse. It came to him with that verse, which doesn't exclude TI from the conversation, in my opinion, because it sounds like TI to me. Uh, And he's got a history of writing for Dre and with Dre. Um, for detox and then dr dre did his single dope uh for one of his mixtapes which was a Aaliyah sample which is super awesome by the way um so they've got some kind of history together and but yeah no i would i would have put money on it that detox ain't a thing by the way it was called compton remember (laughs) no 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 detox what's that is before compton um Detox is before Compton. Like that was like the recovery Eminem. So you've got the oh, okay. song that didn't make the cut. Uh, yeah, what is Detox. It? I need a doctor. Up. And was yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. But that's what it was from. Like there are, I think, a dozen reference okay. songs from Detox, and then there are songs that got released that were intended for Detox. Like uh, he's got like drug test. Uh, that ended up on the games project. Like there are more than an album's worth of songs that were there and got leaked. And people are just like, yep, no, that's not, it's not coming out because it leaked. And by the time he got around to doing the project, like again, they said the second version of detox wasn't like what we had already heard. And then they were working on straight out of Compton and, you know, he got, motivated by seeing his legacy and you know locked in with what what was like 20 or 25 artists yeah to craft compton uh compton's got a so yeah that's verse on it yeah uh compton is great uh the way he flipped for the love of money uh genius but uh yeah, Compton is a is a overlooked project because it wasn't intended to be the radio. You know what I mean? Like his other projects were, you know, right. projected to be popular. He made he made the music 
that Compton would appreciate. All right, we got a little bit off track there for a second, but uh, that so that does it for Eminem's entire on everything that was hilarious. Because yeah. <laughs> because literally the last because it's like it's like and that's the end of the catalog and it cut <laughs> off. I'm like <laughs> I'm like okay, we don't get a, a goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we just had some. It's like we're off track. Yeah, this is the end. But yeah, no, I figured yeah. it just cut off on this side. It was, it was yeah. just hella funny. Hello. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Jump back in. He said. He said. F the editing. <laughs> yeah. We're, well, edit in route. Well, you know, you record for two hours. There's bound to be some technical difficulties. As I was saying, this is the the end of Eminem's catalog uh, for now. But I I would I would beg the question, Eminem, uh, one of the greatest of all time. Is he the greatest of all time? Six, seven. So to me, I have to stick with when you when you talk about an artist, you bring your own personal opinions into it and your own biases, yeah. which is fine. But when your quote unquote vote for the greatest of all time says, these are the people I consider the greatest of all time. Like to me, you got to take that into account. Like he doesn't think that he's better than these people. So like, I think that he should be in the discussion for the in the discussion for one of the greatest of all time. But you can't really compare Eminem when he first came out to even that early 90s rappers because, like, it was too different. Like, your golden era rappers, they couldn't imagine putting together a flow like Eminem does. Like, it just wasn't a possibility. It's not, it's not the way people thought. It just it was impossible to think that. And so, like, your Big Daddy Kane and your Rakim and all them, you're looking like they were stuck in what they were doing based on the technology of the time for making beats. Like, you wouldn't have imagined that when hip-hop started that we were going to move away from using records and sampling and simple drum machines to making beats to using computers, right. you know what I mean, to do full orchestration of stuff. Like... So I think that you could do it like you do your major sports. You have your eras because everything has changed so much. Or you could do your top 20. And I could easily say M is probably in the top 20 of all time from a technical aspect. Like you can knock his accents or you can knock, you know, his subject matter because everybody's got that, you know, that little nitpicky shit. But like from a technical, the way he puts together rhyme schemes, the way he flows on a beat, you know, those are unmatched by a lot of people. So, so I think, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that you're, you're taking things differently. So like then we listened to Eminem starting out and then you skip down like half a generation, you're putting him against little Wayne mm -hmm. you know what I mean and now you're taking that and you're like who's the next guy who's 
supposedly on that same level. And then you're looking at like Kendrick Lamar with three critically acclaimed right. albums. You know what I mean? Like easily you could draw parallels to the Slim Shady Marshall Mathers and Eminem show, but you're like, yeah, they're different, but they're all great at what they do. Like you can't knock Wayne's rhyme scheme or the way he flows, you know, subject matter, repetitiveness, all that stuff. And Kendrick, how he doesn't do the same thing twice. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's it. You know, when we talk to the generation before us, they're like, Eminem's not there, you know? Cause like even the conversation, um, about Zeus and Snoop Dogg and Eminem, you know, he's just like, he can't hold a torch to these people because they were so dope and influential, whatever, you know what I mean? And M said, Hey, you're right. I don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? His problem stems from the way he said what he right. said, but you know, it's like, so to me, I think he should be in that, you know, in that conversation with the greats, but I wouldn't necessarily put him as the great because you got to have like a five-way tie right. or something. You know what I mean? Like you got to so, have something like super right, crazy just, because you're never going to have a definitive in, list. In your, in your personal list, is he in the top 10? Yeah, I'd have to actually jot it down. But yeah, like I said, because I take it from like you can nitpick anything. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't necessarily enjoy a lot of Little Wayne's discography because it's just complete rambling but that is the same reason i like lupe fiasco because it's a lot of just rambling you know what i mean like and so like you can't nitpick you can nitpick yeah. that but to me like he's technically but he would be in your personal great. Top 10. yeah like, like i said from a technical standpoint like there are very few people that could do what he could do but there are people who can do things he can't now I mean, we can all agree that there, I mean, to find, you'd be pretty hard to find someone that's anywhere remotely as successful as him. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, no, that, that's, yeah, there's no way you're going to find somebody as successful as him. I think ever again, the same way that we're not seeing anybody su as successful as Michael right. Jackson, because it's a product, it's a product of when he came out. Like, if he came out five years earlier, five years later, yeah, you would have, he'd have been either dead by the internet era or in the internet era where he would have been bootlegged to hell before he even got a chance to catch on. Would he be in your top five? If he had the same catalog he does now, yeah, probably. Okay. Because, like, if it's, you know, if you just moved it all down, yeah, the beats would have sounded dated and everything. But the problem with that is Dre kind of dictated those eras like what the beats sounded like mm -hmm. yeah so so yeah i think like i said from the technical aspect of what he does rhyme schemes and flows i have to have him in the top 10 john would he be in your top 10 yeah of course i i don't <clears throat> you know have half 10 rappers let's say that again you don't have mm -hmm. 10 rappers in your list exactly no i was literally gonna say so i i don't really take Calling um, an artist, you know, me being a, a fan of them very lightly. Like, I don't do that very often just because I'm not. Like, music is good or bad to me. I can vibe with it or I can't. It is what it is. That's where we stand in it. But at one point in time, I literally did say, I am a fan of Eminem. And it was in this 
first like Slim Shady era, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and, you know, that's fine. I, I guess I like a certain type of Eminem because a couple of those albums I really didn't care for. As a whole, there's a lot of good stuff on them. Like, don't get it twisted. He's got good stuff everywhere. But it, 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 it breaks my heart. I can't really call myself his fan, but he is in, in the top five because there aren't very many. I think most people would put would put him in there at the very least their top ten, um, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, in the conversation for one of the greatest of all time and the most hip hop artist ever. But that'll do it for this week and this season. Uh, we'll be back soon, next week maybe. We haven't decided yet uh, with a new episode. Until then, take care. John, gonna get you a yes, sir. We're gonna get you a shirt with a slim shady iron on. I, hey, you know what I'm gonna get you? <laughs> I'm gonna get you a shirt that says "Potato Chip Captain." Why, dude? Because you was munching and crunching all the way through this episode. Oh, I did have some uh, some snacks. Uh.